Well, welcome to another edition of Intentional Conversations. On Intentional Conversations, we seek to interview leaders in men's ministries to help men grow spiritually and help leaders and pastors to reach men in today's culture, discussing issues men face every day. It is a program where men's ministry leader interviews leaders in men's ministry. Hey, man, this is Mike Salen of Cape Fear Men. If you have listened to this podcast for any length, you know I like to have men on that are making an impact in today's culture of reaching men. And not a particular group of men either, but a men of all generations. And you know the topic I like to discuss with my guests more than any other is about discipleship. The importance of men being in a discipling relationship. Today, I'm honored to have on the program Todd Unzinker. Todd is the executive director and treasurer of the Baptist State Convention of North Carolina. Welcome, Todd. I appreciate you being with me today. Thanks so much, buddy. I'm so glad to be here. It's an honor. Great. Now, let me share a little bit about your bio so our listeners to know who you are and where you're coming from. But Todd has a passion for the local churches within the Great Commission. Todd's vision for the Baptist State Convention in North Carolina is focused on rallying North Carolina Baptists to be a movement of churches on mission together. Todd was elected to the executive director treasurer in May of 2021. And prior to leading the work of the state convention, Todd served on staff at the Summit Church in Raleigh-Durham from 2012 to 2021. He has also served as a director of missions in Florida and as a missionary in Central America. Todd earned his bachelor's degree from the Baptist uh, Bible College in Florida and his master's divinity from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. And prior to his salvation, and his call to ministry, Todd worked as a sports reporter covering the nationally ranked University of Georgia football program. He's a native of Fairbanks, Virginia, outside of Washington, D.C., and he has been married to his wife, Ashley, since 2007, and they have three children. Man, I tell you what, you've got to be excited about what's coming up here in the next couple of months with uh, college football getting ready to kick in. Uh, absolutely. As the recording of this podcast, it's three weeks and five days, but who's counting? In fact, I would say that that, uh, that bio is, is, is a little bit inaccurate, a little bit out of date. It's oh. not just the nationally ranked Georgia Bulldogs, but the national champion Georgia Bulldogs. Well, uh, I, I, I don't want to make enemies, but I'll tell you right now, I'm not a big SEC fan. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's all right. There's still, room for, there's still room for you to jump on board, okay? <laughs> maybe, maybe one day you convert me. It, 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 I'm, kind of, I'm kind of a little dismayed right now because I'm hearing that, uh, that SEC is trying to root Florida State, Miami, and Clemson into the – into the program and, and, out and, of the UN, ACC. and UNC. So uh, wouldn't that be something? Oh yeah, that would be something. <laughs> that would be a major coup. I tell you what. So anyway, well, Todd, you, you know, when I met you several, several months ago, you shared your vision for missions and that encompassed several areas basically. And, and one of that was the, that you wanted the state convention to be known as a movement of churches and mission together. Can you share a little bit about what you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that stems, Mike, from when a group of pastors asked me in the fall of 2020 to consider being a candidate for this role is uh, uh, that came from my wife and I just praying and seeking the Lord on the back porch, literally in the back deck on a, I believe it was a nice September evening. We were, we were just praying through and it really comes from a fundamental belief that I get from God's inerrant and foul of all sufficient word that um, we are a movement, that God is on the move. And ever since Genesis 3, from that very first gospel mm -hmm. proclamation, 
um, you know, all the way through the book of Revelation that um, God is on a rescue mission and he's, he's, he's in a movement. We think of the famous Henry Blackaby line that, that he said, you know, look where God is moving and go join him. And so we just, um, you know, we really looked at this as we're a movement and that's what we, we want to see. And a part of the topic of this we'll get into a little bit. I believe that's key for the next generation. Uh, we're not just a movement, though. We're a movement of churches. And that's because I fundamentally believe that the church is God's plan A for reaching a lost and dying world with Christ. Um, and uh, we're a movement of churches that are on mission. And um, I really focus a lot on the fact that uh, Baptists are not denomination. Uh, there isn't the Baptist denomination. We're actually a convention of independent autonomous churches, 4,200 of them, uh, right. 3,000 participating here in North Carolina. And um, we, our goal is to be on mission, which means we're not going to be a good old boy network. We're not going to be a political action committee. Um, politics has its place and in, in, in has importance, but we're going to be about the coming kingdom and not who is riding in on the wings of Air Force One, but on a savior that one day is going to be riding in the clouds. And we're going to be a movement of churches that are on mission together. Um, Mike, you want to talk about next generation, which I know you do. Um, Jesus said that the primary way a lost and dying world would know that we are his is the way we love one another. Amen. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he died, he prayed for unity, that you and I would be one as he and the Father are one. Absolutely. Uh, and I think, um, not I think, I know that um, it's that's never been more uh, important is that evangelistic witness and oneness. So, by God's grace, uh, I've been a year, been in this job about a year, and um, you know we're very thankful. We see a lot of unity, we see a lot of passion, renewed vigor, and our churches are starting to really see that um, we're going to be a movement of churches on mission together. Amen. You know that's one of the things that sounds my heart. You know I grew up in Baptist church and been in the Baptist church for all my life, and and uh, one of the things that really saddens me is the fact that so many of our churches have has lost that vision of understanding what it means to be on mission. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to know that my church is, is very, very big on about being on mission, being mission minded. And uh, and uh, and, I, and uh, my church's uh, uh, motto or saying or whatever you want to say very much aligns and says we want to be a, pe a, a people, of, a God's people who are in the business of transforming lives. Mm. And so, you know, it's 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 very important, you know, for our churches to understand that. And I and I appreciate uh, the the desire and vision to, to uh, encourage churches to be that way. That's super. I appreciate that, Todd. Well, let me ask you, let me ask you another question. Cause another thing that intrigued me about your, is uh, your vision that I've heard you talk is, is that you, that you have for high school and college students as they're beginning to enter the world as young adults to help them to engage and kind of to be the next generation on mission, so to speak. And to help them understand about that Great Commission and what it really means to be on mission, you had a unique concept that I thought was really, uh, really uh, intriguing. And I think it's something we really ought to, to, to pick up. Well, I would love to share about that. Let me set the table a little bit, Mike, since we're having a conversation. Sure. You Go and for me. Um, I think for your listeners, you know, um, you are a very youthful man, but, uh, but you're, you're a baby boomer. And I'm, uh, I'm that next generation down. I'm on the low side of the baby boomers, okay? <laughs> right, well, I'm on the low side, the young side of Gen X. Uh, yeah. I just turned 46 last week. Um, born in the you know, mid-70s, and um, but I'm clearly in that Gen, Gen X. You're in the baby boomer. That means we're in the 
kind of the older two categories when sociologists look at generations. And then we have the millennials um, who are next, and then we have Gen Z. Um, and I think this is important for us to remember. Um, when I turned 46 last week, somebody jokingly said, uh, congratulations, Todd, in Baptist life, you only have 14 more years to be in the Young Pastor Network. And they were <laughs> making a joke, um, you know, that, uh, that the way we, we as Baptists, we tend to think anybody under the age of 60 is, is young. Um, but, you know, when we look at Fortune 500 companies and we look at the workforce, um, it's much younger than what we see in a lot of our church concepts. And so I try to set that table for folks to realize this. The other part of this um, I, I said this last night at a church I was speaking at. Um, millennials aren't kids. Millennials turned 40 statistically. Right. They, they turned 40 two years ago. Yeah, um, my kids are millennials. Both my kids are millennials, and, and they're in that area. Right. And so they're having kids now. Um, yeah. Generation Z started graduating college two years ago. And so uh, my daughter... Um, is is in Generation Z. She's on the young side of that, but she start, starts middle school a week from today. And um, what everyone tells me is, Todd, don't blink, and she's going to be gone. Well, yep. missiologically, Mike, I look at that as don't blink, and she's going to be an adult. She's going to be who we're talking about um, in that part of engaging. And so I, I try to create that sense of urgency and say, you know, um, you talk about bringing young people to your church. Um, young people are kids and teenagers. Um, we're talking about millennials who are now turning 40 and, um, and, and looking at that. One of the things that this is one of the parts in, important of our vision statement as a convention is that we're a movement of churches on mission together is millennials. Um, if you read most of the stats, they are the most cause driven uh, generation um, that we have in kind of re recorded Western history. Um, they want to be about things. Um, they are the most mobile generation. They are the ones that grew up in a digital age where um, speaking and, and doing interviews like this or talking with friends overseas was actually just normal. Um, they were incredibly mobile in, in, and still are in what they're doing. Um, generation uh, Z shares some of that, um, but they're a much more cautious generation. Uh, many of their formative years have been spent uh, in political turmoil where they're nervous about what to say and what not to say. Right, uh, right. COVID-19 and the pandemic, obviously right. for a lot of them, was a formidable time, whether that was in their 20s or teens. Um, and so what we see is while cause-driven, they're more cautious. Millennials, um, very cause-driven, but they share some of that, uh, that, that free nature that maybe a Gen X, Gen X would would have. And so the first thing that I talk about is for churches and, and, and leaders, and, and I love the your topic with men making disciples, is that we have to understand our audience. We have to contextualize the message. The gospel truth and his word does not change, but how we deliver that has changed constantly for 2,000 years. Um, it's no different, Mike, than when we train missionaries to go into other cultures. We are training them to contextualize and culturalize their material. And so the same thing needs to happen with our with the next generation. Um, if you're going to be a, if you're a baby boomer or a Gen X and listening to this, um, one of the first things I can tell you, and I'm tempted to do this myself. Don't look down on the generations that are younger. Right. It's right. so tempting. Just glance at Facebook nowadays and go look at boomers and Gen Xers who will dog out the next generation. Um 
These are people that are made in the image of God, and we are called to pour into them. Um, I love what you you say is that, uh, you know, retirement is great, but you're not retired from the movement of God. You're just getting started. And um, it's our mandate to pour into them. Also, if they lack certain things in the church, whose fault is that in the first place? Just we right. Selves in the mirror and say, that's, that's, that's baby boomers and Gen Xers need to look at that. So don't look down on the younger generation. If you want to reach the next generation, celebrate how God has wired them. And I tell you what, it doesn't matter if you're Christian or non-Christian. You can see with millennials, especially, and, and Gen Z are showing some of that. Um, man, they'll rally behind causes. Why do you think that they'll put up a, um, you know, a GoFundMe page on Facebook and hit those goals like that? Is yeah. because they want to give money to something that they can tangibly sink their teeth in. Uh, they're the most likely to go volunteer at homeless shelters and those kind of things. Man, that is tailor made for the mission of God. And they're also the most likely to go and take a job overseas to join a missionary team or something like that. And so they want to do their careers with something that that matters. They saw the baby boomers as wanting that suburban life. And then they saw Gen Xers as, as very selfish and, and individualistic. And certainly there's some truth in both of those. Um, they want to make a difference. And I think that is that could lead to the greatest outpouring of, of, of discipleship, which leads me to what you're asking about. And that is, um, we just believe that we can tap into the greatest missionary force that God has ever raised up. And what we're calling that is the go to years initiative. I believe this is what you, you, you kind of heard me allude talking about recently. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is a fantastic vision in my opinion. Go ahead. Well, what we're talking about this is go to years is this. It's a movement where graduates and young professionals give two years to the mission of God, either at home on a church plant or overseas on a missionary team. Why do we say yeah. that? Um, there's a number of reasons. One, we're looking sociologically speaking, um, you're seeing people graduate from a lot of the great universities we have here in North Carolina, UNC, um, NC State, Wake Forest, North Carolina Central. Um, yeah, and we can put Duke in there too if we want to. But um, but graduating uh, <laughs> from these these um, these institutions, and it's almost like they're willing to put their career on pause. Sometimes sometimes they'll call it a gap year. Sometimes they'll say, "Well, I'm going to go work for a nonprofit for a couple of years before I figure out what I want to do." We say, "Let's tap into that." They're already thinking that way. Um, the question is not whether they're going to do it. The question is, are they going to do it with us? Us meaning our Baptist churches. And the great um, mission efforts that we have uh, apart. Mm -hmm. uh, there's another part of this. If you look at uh, the IMB, Paul Chitwood, friend of mine would say that the majority, uh, I've heard as many as 90% of career missionaries started off with a two-year commitment. Famously, they call it the journeyman program. We know that statistically that most church planters and even some of our best pastors started off as like interns or strategically moved to be a part of a core team of another church plant. So what we said is this, you got to get a job somewhere. Why not the mission of God be the first and fi primary factor? And so what we are looking to do is to connect graduates and young professionals. Um, and this may be somebody graduated, took a job, the first job they could find back in their hometown. They're doing it for a year or two. And they're kind of like, you know, there's got to be something more. We want to connect them as well. We want to send them to go be a part of a church plant. And what does that practically mean? That means that, uh, you know, Sean graduates from UNC with a degree in teaching. 
Um, and, and instead of going back home and just teaching at a school and plugging back in, maybe he goes and gets a job in Detroit, Michigan. And by the way, he's going to teach at a school, an under-resourced school that, that's got you know, a high level of, of kids with single parents and maybe a lot of poverty. He can go and make a difference in that school, use his career. He doesn't have to leave his career for the mission of God. He can leverage it for the mission. Oh, and by the way, guess what meets in that school on a Sunday morning? The church plant that he can serve and volunteer at, or maybe serve on the worship team, or maybe he's uh, leading a small group or whatever that might be. We want to connect a whole army of folks. Um, my pastor jokingly called it the Mormonization of the Baptist church. Um, and <laughs> what we mean by that tongue in cheek is that, that uh, you know, Mike Mormons make up a fraction of evangelical Christians right. um, in the United States, but there are 40,000 Mormon missionaries on the field right now. And that's because it's in their mandate. It's in their culture that they're going to give two years to what they call mission work. Um, I say we make a whole new culture that every single graduate and young professional um, starts asking, what are you going to do for two years? What are you going to do for two years? And I believe that this could give an army to our church plants, give more support to our missionary teams and start casting a vision that uh, missions, church planning is not just the SEAL Team 6 of the Christian life, but it is the mandate of all believers. Oh, man, that's, that, that is super. And I wish um, I wish there had been a vision like this when I was coming out of college. You know, I was going out of high school and college. So it could have changed the impact of how I looked at missions and changed the way I, I even progressed in my career of where I may have gone. And I know one of the things that you you and I have talked about is um, uh, if we can get this program, and I hate to call it a program, but this ministry concept off the ground, it could help our younger people to understand this is a calling upon your life, that this is the direction you need to go mm -hmm. and uh, to help us. Because uh, I know we're always, always praying for God to, uh, uh, to send missionaries uh, throughout the continent, throughout the world. Yeah. You know, if you look at it right today, standing here today, 15% um, of the pulpits in North Carolina are empty and those churches cannot find a pastor. We're in a desperate need for pastors. Um, but we've also seen in the past, my experience of this, this is how we did it at, at our local church when I was there. Um, if we raise up a hundred people who will go to, who will do the, who, who will do this initiative. And you're right. It's not a program. It's not a you know, it doesn't need funding. It's more of a mantra. Um, right. But if right. we get 100 people to do go to, statistically speaking, we'll get about 10 of those 100 who at the end of two years will go to seminary to become pastors or maybe who will sign up and say, I'm going to give my life to this mission work or right. you know what? I'm going to join the um, we look at this as a as a whole nother recruiting, a whole nother pool. And the other 90, I promise you, will be better church members because they've spent two years um, giving that what, what that is. And uh, what we're not into, I'm not into raising up board church members, but white hot followers of, of King Jesus. Amen. I mean, yeah, I, I think that's super. And, and uh, it kind of makes me jealous. I know I'm not supposed to be jealous. It's an emotion that I'm not supposed to have. It kind of makes me jealous about, about this go-to uh, initiative and, uh, and, and, look at something that I may have missed out in, in my younger life. And I would encourage all the young people who are listening to this to really give this some serious consideration. All right. Uh, can I, can I just let your 
your show know something that I haven't told anybody else yet, okay? That's up to you. That's up to you. Go for it. All right. Well, just tell your listeners that they can be the very first prototype. My own staff will probably kill me on this, but <laughs> I read an article not long ago um, in Forbes magazine. And the, the thesis of the article was the fact that um, retirees are living 20 years now in retirement. Oh, yeah. Now, the article was about the burden that that is on Social Security and health insurance and all of those kind of things. But I read it through a missiological lens, and I thought this. If retirees are living 20 years, why not tithe your retirement? Why not give two years, maybe your first two years, that you're a part of go-to? And you say to yourself, you know what, I'm going to retire but I'm going to give the first two years that I'm my wife and I, or if, if you're married or my, you know, maybe you're a widow or whatever the case may be, I'm going to give two years to the mission of God, either with a church plant in the U S or overseas on a missionary team. I'll tell you why, Mike, I've never met and I've worked with hundreds overseas and dozens, maybe a hundred in the U S I've never met a church planting team or missionary team that didn't need the wisdom of a baby boomer generation on that team. Amen. Amen. And I look at this as how can we expand go to to not only be graduates, young professionals, but retirees as well. And they're 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 able to do it. They're still healthy. And here's a great thing. Um, they still got another 18 years that they can sit on a rocking chair and play with grandkids. But uh, what a great way to leverage the next generation. And so uh, we haven't officially said that, but um, but we're definitely um we're, we're definitely moving in that direction. Well, good. That's good. I know that I have been invited to, to be at a, a, a men's conference in South Carolina first part of next year. And, and I asked them what they wanted me to talk about. And, and it's going to be mostly a older generation that's going to be there. And they said, I want you to talk about um, when you retire, uh, what they can do as far as being a, a retiree in church. And my biggest thing is, is the next question I'm going to really pose towards you or the statement, at least anyway, is the fact that uh, one of the things you said that perked my ears up when, when you and I have talked earlier and I've heard you heard you speak is, is the opportunity for the baby boomer generation and the Gen X generation, those of us who are retired or nearing retirement to speak into the lives of these young adults when I hear these men talk about I've uh, retired, it's time for the younger gener generation to take over. I'm like, dude, you don't, you ain't got a clue. I mean, I understand what you're kind of saying, but they need you to speak into their lives to help them to move forward. And, and, uh, and I think about numbers eight, when you look at numbers eight, you see where God's given the direction, the priest, the direction of the priest that, yeah, at age 25, I believe it was, they began serving in the temple as priests. But age 50, they're retired. But the thing about it is, when you look at that 26th verse in, in Numbers 8, it doesn't tell them that they, they can just go off into the rocking chairs. It says now you're supposed to help that younger generation and help them to prepare and do the work and basically train them to do what they're supposed to do. And so... That's exactly yeah. right. So how do you think... My generation, baby boomer generation, your generation, Gen X, how do you think we ought to, to, to do that? How can we get started doing that? Yeah, I think one of the first things you just alluded to um, is we got to put them in. I think I hear it all the time. I hear churches talk about, well, we got to reach these kids. We got to reach these millennials. And I smile and I say, you guys missed that opportunity 20 years ago. They're not kids anymore. That's right. Uh, 
they're having children and they have mortgages and jobs now. Um, and so we've got to understand that we need to have them in. Um, we need to turn those reins over and realize that um, we need them. Um, we don't need them to just come in and sit in our pews and do ministries the way we did them 30 years ago. Um, I hear churches all the time say, hey, help me get some more young people in here. And I say, well, you, you got to be a church that young people want to come to. Yeah. Um, and so how do you speak of the next generation? How do you, is your worship service set up? Um, how are you doing? Um, how are you doing ministry? Next thing is, is if you have them is allow them to lead. Let them stub their toes. Um, I, I told a group of pastors recently, I, they said, why do you think we're all of a sudden seeing this mass exodus um, and, and empty pulpits? I said, because we had pulpits that were filled by people for a very long time and they never turned the reins over. Mm-hmm. And it's your heart is discipleship, Mike. And so is mine. Um, that's discipleship. Mm-hmm. Um, start turning the pulpit over once a month to somebody and having them preach even while you're still there. And then next year, make it twice a month. And then the next year, three times a month. Um, let's start getting a pipeline, raising up people from within our churches. Uh, I hear people say, oh, well, you know, the seminaries are not giving us any pastors. And I'm like, that's not their job. Their job is that your church will send, uh, send people to seminary to be trained because they already got called to pastor from your local church. And so um, are we creating those opportunities to allow them to lead? Um, there's another part is that we've got to be students of the culture. Um, to understand what is it. And I'll tell you, this is, Mike, I'm not good at this. I, I have to really work at this. But what is the next generation into? Um, a constant leader is a constant learner. And uh, if someone's not going to just um, retire and sit in the rocking chair, but still be in the game, they've got to constantly be learning. And they've got to oh, yeah. be understanding um, what what is it that the next generation uh, is important to them. And so that they can take the wisdom that they have learned from a lifetime of ministry and they can apply the wisdom to the to what the, you got to let the let the next generation lead from their principles and their convictions and their um, cultural allure. Uh, if I can use it that way, what are the what are the emphasis that they're facing in their in their challenges? The bottom line is what the next generation is facing and challenges in their lives is far different than what baby boomers or even mine, Gen X, faced as they were growing up. And so um, that's something um, that we really need to look at is not a, in my day, we did it this way, but in in my day, here's what we learned when we did it. And um, I think that, that that posture is a lot more helpful. Amen. And, you know, the other things I tell guys sometimes, too, they ask me how I can do it. I say, go to your pastor. Go to your pastor. Go to your, go to your youth minister. Go to your college college uh, minister and tell them that you're making yourself available. If there's a young man that wants to um, wants needs a mentor or wants a mentor under him, tell him you're available and, and offer yourself up to them to be able to speak into their lives and be there for them. Hmm. That's good. I love that. Yeah. Fantastic. And, uh, and I know I've done that and, uh, and I've had opportunities to, to have a couple of them uh, to come under my wing, so to speak and, and speak and, it's been a very rewarding time with me, uh, not just for them. And, you know, I, I don't want to really say it's been a rewarding time because they spend time with me. But for me, it's been a very rewarding time because they taught me things also that I probably didn't realize about their particular generation. Yeah, I'm going to spend an hour and a half this afternoon in the in the hot heat and the August sun and dog days of summer um, coaching football. 
Oh, uh, man. I do that because, yes, I love the sport. But one of the greatest things, Mike, is honestly the impact that I can do into pouring into another generation. Um, you know, being, being out there with them, um, it is simultaneously the most physically exhausting hour and a half of my day, but it will be the most rewarding. And uh, I actually woke up this morning thinking about it and uh, I can't wait to give that opportunity. And I'll just, I'll just say this here's a little, little nugget. I, um, when I served as a director of missions at AMS, um, I had lots of duties and things. One of the things I told them was I'm going to serve with the local high school football team. I'm going to serve as their chaplain and help them out in the coach's booth. Uh, so being out there with those guys, um, we've been gone from Florida for um, what eleven years now, and uh, four years with those guys are pretty much a whole gra- a whole whole class. I still hear from those kids. I call them kids. They were kids then. I still yeah. hear from those football players who now, eleven years later uh, or more, um, they have kids of their own now. They've gotten married, yeah. and the impact that that is. I hear from them a lot more than I hear from the countless number of pastors that I work with as my full-time job. Well, Todd, we've run out of time. I appreciate you being on the program today and sharing the importance of how the baby boomer and Gen X generations can share with the younger generations and how we can help impact the world by helping Generation Z, those that are graduating from college over the next several years, determine God's call on their life. And I appreciate you doing that, Todd. It's been very informative and uh, love to have you back on the air at some point. For those of you that has been listening, thank you for listening to Intentional Conversations with Mike Salen. Intentional Conversations is a production of Cape Fear Men and Men's Ministry Coalition. If you enjoy this program, I would ask you to do two things. One, share this program with a friend. And two, consider helping us keep these broadcasts coming to you by becoming a financial partner to Cape Fear Men. You can give by going to capefearmen.net and click on the Give to Cape Fear Men button at the top of the page. Cape Fear Men is a 501c3 organization operating under Ministry Alliance, and all donations are tax deductible. Thank you in advance for your donations. To learn more about Cape Fear Men and how Cape Fear Men can help you reach the men of your local church, or if you just want to know more about what we do, go to capefearmen.net. And if you'd like to speak to me directly, email me at mike.sandlin at kfearmen.net. But for now, I'll leave you with this blessing. I pray God will give you a rock to stand on, a brook to drink from, and a tree to shake you. This is Mike Sandlin saying God bless, and I hope you will join me again on the next Intentional Conversation with Mike Sandlin.